Welcome to the Legal One podcast, brought to you by Legal One, the leader in school law training in the state of New Jersey. Legal One is part of the NJPSA and FEA family, so we are thrilled to be offering this podcast to you as a way to help you gain a greater understanding of critical legal issues. We want to provide you with convenient, easy access to essential information. Each episode is 30 minutes or less, so it provides a timely way for you to get information. In each episode, we're going to be reviewing critical legal principles based on case law, statute, regulation, or other key guidance. We'll talk about why that issue matters today and how the law has evolved. We'll talk about key steps in working with parents and other critical stakeholders to positively address the issues in question. And we'll give you more information. We'll give you resources so that you can access online courses and other events and know how to get a greater level of understanding of these issues. So let's get started. And thank you so much for joining us for the Legal One podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Legal One podcast. My name is Sandra Jakes, and I am the Supervisor of Legal Research and Content Development for Legal One. Today's episode is part of Legal One's Summer 2021 podcast series regarding New Jersey schools and the law. Today, we are discussing student-free speech outside of school in light of the U.S. Supreme Court's June 2021 decision regarding students' free speech rights outside of school. This podcast is being recorded in August of 2021, and all discussions of issues are current as of that time. As always, this podcast serves as an overview discussion of issues and does not constitute legal advice. Today I have with me Rose Achera, Federal Legislative Chair and past President of New Jersey PTA. Welcome, Rose. Thank you, Sandra. It's great to be here and be able to speak on this great topic as a parent voice. Now, this podcast is a follow-up to one that we did earlier this year that gave an overall discussion of student free speech rights. So we're going to be focusing on the Levy case, which was the Supreme Court decision that came out in June of 2021. Now, the Levy case does start with a discussion of Tinker. That's the case where the young lady wore the black armband to school to protest the Vietnam War, ultimately ended up being suspended because of it, filed a lawsuit, went all the way to the Supreme Court, and ultimately the student won, where the Supreme Court said that you cannot discipline for speech that does not cause a substantial disruption in school. And that is the big thing about Tinker is it's an in-school case. So then the question becomes, what about off-school grounds? So we've had a couple of other cases from there that have led us to discuss what is off-school grounds. In the Third Circuit, which we are part of here in New Jersey, the two main cases were Layshock and JS versus Blue Mountain, which occurred in 2011. In both of those cases, you had students that were unhappy with people at the school. So while they were home on their own computers and on their own websites, they created pages that said inappropriate and not nice things, basically, about administrators in their respective schools. The schools attempted to discipline the students for what they had done, and the students filed lawsuits claiming a violation of their First Amendment rights, which they ultimately won. And the basic holding was is that the schools had not shown that what had been said by these students about the adults that worked at the school caused a substantial disruption. It may have been not nice or inappropriate or, or just rotten to say, but there was nothing that caused a substantial disruption, and therefore the school did not have the ability to discipline for off-school grounds behavior. 
Now that's a big difference too, because things that were done in the Layshock or JS and Blue Mountain case, if the kids had been on school grounds when they did it, the school could have disciplined under a code of conduct. But because this was done while they were at home, while they were away from school, basically the kids have a right to vent, even if it is obnoxious or just not nice or hurt someone's feelings. It has to be more than something along that level. It has to rise to a higher level. So this brings us to the Levy case. This is the cheerleader case that has been publicized quite a bit in recent months. In this case, a young girl who was on the cheerleading squad tried out, only made the JV squad, not the varsity squad. And she was very unhappy about this. So she posted a picture on Snapchat with the captions F school, F softball, F cheer, F everything. And it is not disputed. She was not on school grounds when she did this. She was out with her friend at a place outside of the school. She posted a picture of herself giving the middle finger and saying those things. This picture, along with the captions, were sent among 250 of her friends and circulated around the school, ultimately got back to the coaches, and she was suspended from cheerleading for the year. She appealed this decision to the school. The school said, no, we're going to keep it. So then she filed a lawsuit claiming a violation of her First Amendment rights. Now, the first decision that got a lot of publicity came down from the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. And we in New Jersey are in the Third Circuit, so this case directly applies to us. And what the Third Circuit Court of Appeals did was change a little bit the definition of what could be disciplined by a school off school grounds. And again, I'm stressing the off school grounds. If she had done this during the school day in school, there's no question she could have been disciplined for it. But because it was outside of school, that's where the question comes in. And so what the Third Circuit said was that unless communications done off school grounds can constitute harassment or threats, the school district does not have the ability to discipline for it. So even if it does cause a substantial disruption, again, assuming it's non-threatening and non-harassing, the district does not have the power to discipline for it. And the Third Circuit made a discussion about the Tinker case and the Layshock and the JS versus Blue Mountain cases to try to show how this case is differentiated from them. So this case got appealed in January. The U.S. Supreme Court granted certiorari to hear the case. And then in June, they issued their decision. So on June 23rd of 2021, the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, affirmed the decision that, yes, the students' rights had been violated, but they disagreed with the Third Circuit's rationale for the decision. And basically, the difference is the U.S. Supreme Court put back in the, if it causes a substantial disruption, the school can discipline for it. So basically, long story short, the U.S. Supreme Court put the standard back to where it was before the Third Circuit Court's decision. However, the U.S. Supreme Court clarified and gave an updated version of what could be disciplined for in light of technological advances and things that have been happening with the homeschooling or the virtual learning and things along those lines. So the Supreme Court said that the school's regulatory interests remain significant in some off-campus circumstances, including, and this is straight from the U.S. Supreme Court, these are their words, severe bullying or harassment targeting particular individuals, threats aimed at teachers or students, failure to follow school district rules such as lessons, writing papers, use of computers, participation in other school activities, or breaches of school security devices, including material maintained within school computers. The Supreme Court clearly stated that its decision was based on the facts within the Levy case, 
which means that each situation should be analyzed on a case-by-case -case basis. So this leads to some questions about when can schools discipline in the state of New Jersey? If there is a confirmed HIV for off-campus behavior, does this decision, the Levy decision, nullify the school district's ability to discipline for the behavior of speech? The answer is no, it does not. One of the elements necessary for a confirmed finding of HIV in New Jersey is that a substantial disruption, which can be in either actual or perceived physical or mental harm, embarrassment and or a hostile educational environment, occurred as a result of whatever was done. In this case, the Supreme Court stated that while it agreed with the Third Circuit Court of Appeals decision, it did not agree with the rationale for reaching that opinion. Specifically, under the Supreme Court decision, if the off-campus speech or behavior can be shown to cause a substantial disruption, it is permissible for a school district to discipline. In the Levy case, the court explained that a brief discussion about the incident during a class and a general feeling of being upset by members of the cheerleading squad did not rise to the level of a substantial disruption as outlined in the Tinker case. In short, a school district must be able to show an actual problem that the off-campus speech caused and not just that people didn't like it or were offended by it. Accordingly, if a school district determines that a substantial disruption as defined by New Jersey's HIV law has occurred, then the school district should have also satisfied Levy's off-campus speech substantial disruption standard. So another question comes up is that if the school district determines that offensive off-campus speech is protected by the First Amendment and therefore not subject to discipline, is it possible that the school district may still have a reason to address the comments with the students? And the answer is possibly yes. While there are legitimate reasons that a district may wish to discuss such off-campus speech or behavior with the student, the district must take great caution to ensure that any such discussions are not perceived as disciplinary or retaliatory against the student. Basically, to use the legal form of it, the school has to show a good faith basis as to why they're talking to the student about something they said or did outside of the school grounds. So a couple of the reasons that the school may still want to talk to the students about what they said or did outside of school grounds, even though they cannot discipline them for it, are for digital citizenship reasons. While the student will be safe from district discipline, whatever they have posted online will potentially always be discoverable. Therefore, when the student applies to college for a scholarship, for a job, or anything else in the future, it is very possible that things they post as a teenager may potentially harm them later in life. There may be a mental health or potential danger to the student issue. If a school district becomes aware of off-campus speech or behavior that contains red flags, such as to potential mental health, suicidal ideation, and or other potential danger to the student, there may be requirements for appropriate school district personnel to intervene. This would be assessed on a case-by-case -case basis. As an example, when I've talked to a lot of counselors about this case during the time that's gone through litigation, the F everything phrase was very fearful for them. They said that that triggered them to look into it of why is this person so upset that she would say F everything. Well, in particular, if you have a student that you know has mental health issues or maybe has attempted suicide or, or discussed attempting it in the past, and then you see this post, that could be a red flag that something is really going wrong in this student's life, that they need some help, that you need to talk to them about it. It's not something you can discipline for, but it's still something you're aware of. You need to step in and help out and do something. 
Now, I'm not saying that the only time a counselor or the school could follow up with a student would be if they have a history of mental health issues. But that's an example of what could be a justification of why we're asking more questions or why we're talking to you some more. Additionally, there may be mandated reporting requirements. So there may be instances where a school district does not have the ability to discipline a student, but still must report the speech or behavior to other state agencies such as DCPNP or local authorities under the memorandum of agreement. Such circumstances should be addressed with the school board attorney. Now, for those of you who may not know, in New Jersey, the memorandum of agreement is the written agreement between local law enforcement and the school district about how they're going to work together and what the reporting requirements are, how they're going to interact with each other. And so in the PowerPoint that is included with the materials available for this podcast, I've given you on slide 11 a full description of the obligation under the memorandum of agreement to report bias-related incidents. So if a student posts something that uses, let's say, racial epithets or anti-LGBTQ comments, but it's not directed to anyone and you can't show a substantial disruption, this may still be something that has to be reported to the local authorities under the memorandum of agreement. Again, following the advice from the U.S. Supreme Court, these are case-by-case -case analysis. You have to look at each case individually and see if it meets whatever criteria has been established in your memorandum of agreement and or by your school board attorney as to what will and will not be reported. So with that and the overview of the Levy case, I'll bring in Rose to have a little bit of a discussion about working with parents. So Rose, what do you think? Heading into the new school year, how can schools and parents work together to promote a greater understanding of a student's First Amendment rights? Thank you, Sandra. And uh, as always, this is great information. So I want to begin by saying that um, at PTA, we want parents and school educators and staff to work together to support and improve the learning development and health of children and young adults, especially now as we get as we return to school after what has happened with the pandemic. Again, you know, you did a great job letting us know about the rights that students have. And yes, students have a right to speak out. But as parents and in the PTA, we hope that parents do set some social media guidelines at home because as you taught us today, even though students have the right to speak their mind on social media and the school can't punish them for the content they post off campus or outside of school hours that may not relate to school, there are situations. And like you said, it's a case by case study that if it becomes harassing and threatening and disruptive, that it may be a situation for their child. So even though, you know, we understand that the students, you know, have the First Amendment rights and it protects them, there are situations that may cause some issues for them. Now, turning to current events, those include pandemic issues and the upcoming elections. And people have opinions about that. As an example, in New Jersey, there was just a mandate passed that all students will have to wear masks when they go back to school. Some people may like that, some people may not like that, and they want to put their opinions online about it. How can schools and parents work together to raise awareness of what is permissible and or acceptable speech without limiting a student's legitimate right to express themselves? Here, I, I really want to talk about a program that National PTA has had for the last couple of years through sponsors like TikTok, Facebook, and Google. And it's called uh, PTA Connected, Take Charge of Your Digital Life. And in PTA, we make sure that parents have tips for their children for smart internet and social media use. There's resources and tools 
that help with digital safety events, it's important that right as soon as our kids begin school, that as parents, we make sure that they are protected, you know, as they use their digital devices. Again, look what happened with the pandemic 16, 17 months ago, our students were forced to use digital devices to learn. And we made sure that PTA made sure that there were resources available. There is so much information that parents and others can find at pta.org backslash connected. And um, again, we talk about taking charge of your digital life because as you mentioned, there is so much going on now around the pandemic as we return to school. We have elections coming up and something as simple as, you know, just on Friday, our governor mandated that masks need to be worn in school and whether we like it or not, and students may take to social media to post whether they like it or not. Again, they need to be careful in the words that they're using. So I can't express enough how important it is for a parent to make sure that their child is educated and that there are some social media guidelines set at home so that the child is protected. And then as mentioned earlier, while there may be situations where a district cannot legally discipline a student for something said or posted off of school grounds, that behavior by the student may cause unforeseen problems for the student years after the original post. How can schools and parents work together to raise awareness of the potential impact of what students post online or say publicly off of school grounds? Here, I think it's very important that parents are just aware, aware of guidelines that the schools do have set because again, as much as you went through this case study, a parent's rights, I'm sorry, a student's rights seem very protected, but we must be aware as parents that our children can still lose scholarship that they worked very hard for. Even as they get into college, you know, we talked about earlier and in previous podcasts about clearing a child's record. That's something that they might've done in third or fourth grade, but colleges, and just as you go into getting a job, reputations of companies and colleges are at stake. And they do not take someone that goes onto the internet and bashes, whether it's a college or a job. There are employers that are hiring some of these companies that make sure that they go through the social media of their candidates to make sure that they are a good fit for their company. So remember, as much as our students from pre-K all the way to 12th grade and beyond after high school, anything that we post could come back to haunt us. We have to make sure that it is not harassing, threatening, and again, known to be disruptive in just not in that child's life, but in the lives of others that attend that school with their student. Great, thank you. It's reminding me of something my mother used to say to me all the time. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. <laughs> that, that, that used to get me in trouble uh, when I was at home. So if you could don't like something, fine, you don't like it. But there's a difference between saying, I don't like this or I think this is wrong versus a profanity-laced tirade that goes on and on and on. The I don't like it, I think this is wrong, you are entitled to an opinion, but going on a tirade, so to speak, that may be off-putting to something you want in the future. And I don't think people realize that these things follow you the rest of your life and wherever you go. Rose, any final thoughts? 
No, you bring a great point, and it's funny that you just brought it. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. I have used that with my kids, and as they've gone on to pass those teenage years, and that is very important, and I just want to say thank you for this updated information on a student's First Amendment rights, because as we get back to school in September, a lot has happened um, these cu last couple of months through the pandemic. And like, again, as we return to school, so this is an important message, not just to your members, but also to our parents. So thank you for having New Jersey PTA at the table once again. Great, thanks. So if you would like more information, you can go to the Legal One website at www.njpsa.org slash LegalOneNJ, or you can get information from NJPTA website at www.njpta.org. And as always, we offer many courses, webinars, and workshops as well on a variety of school law issues. Rose, anything else you wanna say before I sign off? No, thank you. And uh, hopefully to your members and our members, uh, enjoy the last couple of weeks of summer and get ready for a great back to school come September. Great, thanks. So enjoy the rest of your summer. I will see you in the fall. Thanks and be well. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like more information on the topics we covered, a full list of episodes, or a preview of upcoming topics, please visit our website at www.njpsa.org legal1nj.